Hello, I'm Dr. René Sterenthal, Clinical Director at Align Technology. Thank you for attending today's Ask the Expert program. Our topic is to introduce to you the next generation of Smart Force clinical innovations, which we're calling Invisalign G4. Those of you who've been longtime Invisalign providers know that Invisalign has introduced significant clinical innovations in the past several years. The singular focus of these innovations is to deliver better, more predictable clinical outcomes when using Invisalign. Based on your feedback, we've been able to identify what the top concerns are and have systematically been addressing them with our clinical innovations. Let me share a brief recap of some of them. In 1999, we came out with the original clinical protocols. Then in 2007, we put together a panel of experts and condensed all their experience into the best practices clinical protocols. We are now targeting the design of a better appliance. To do that, we've prioritized the most challenging movements to be accomplished with Invisalign aligners, and we've started using science to create a foundation for innovation. This has resulted in a series of smart force features that are customized to each patient's individual teeth to accomplish these goals. Let's do a review of what some of these smart force features are. In 2009, we introduced the power ridges for lingual root torque. At the time, they were applicable only for the upper incisors when lingual root torque was programmed. Then last year, with Invisalign G3, we extended them to the lower incisors, and we also added the lingual power ridge to enhance the buccal power ridge on the upper incisors to be placed when bodily retraction was also programmed, in addition to pure lingual root torque. We also came out with our first generation of optimized attachments in 2009. We have the individual optimized extrusion attachment and the individual optimized rotation attachment on the canines. They were designed to optimize forces for improved movements using standard tooth velocities, and they're also customized to each patient's individual teeth. Last year with Invisalign G3, we enhanced the canine rotations to be able to apply them on more clinical situations by moving the attachment to the center of the tooth and rotating the active surface. We also introduced them on the upper and lower bicuspids. Feedback from these smart force features has been overwhelmingly positive. The teeth track better and you're achieving improved clinical outcomes on your cases. On your cases sorry. Today, we're excited to announce the next generation of Smart Force clinical innovations, which we're calling Invisalign G4. There are three clinical situations we're addressing. To achieve greater root tip control for canines and upper central incisors, to improve predictability of upper laterals, and to achieve better clinical outcomes for open bites. To provide greater insight into these clinical features, let me introduce John Morton, our Director of Research and Technology at Align Technology. John has over 30 years of experience in the areas of biomechanics and the design of orthodontic appliances. Following John's portion of the presentation, I will discuss the clinical protocols for these new features. Now let me turn the program over to John. Thank you, Dr. Sterenthal. And thank you for the review of the G3 Smart Force features. What we're going to talk about today is about the next generation of Smart Force features from Invisalign. 
going to talk about what they are, how they function, and how it is that they actually work. So what I'd first like to ask about is how do you think aligners actually work? Well, aligners are no different than any other orthodontic appliance. They produce forces on teeth. Does it make sense that the shape of the aligner is the same as the shape of the tooth? In many circumstances, programming the shape of the tooth from one location to the next does produce a proper force system. There are many situations where it does not. And when it does not, we take up a biomechanical approach to orthodontic tooth movement. That concept being that if you provide the proper force system, you'll get better tooth movement. So the concept of biomechanics and orthodontics is based on the paradigm that if you have a desired tooth movement, a movement you'd like the tooth to undergo, you must first determine the force system that is required for the tooth movement, and then you can design the appliance. Many orthodontic paradigms now determine what is the movement that's required, and then just select an appliance to make that movement. If you leave out the step of determining the force system, you'll get some tooth movement. It won't be well controlled. So at Invisalign, what we're doing now is taking a biomechanical approach to appliance design to clear aligner treatment and achieving better treatment outcomes as is being reported by the practitioners. So if you're going to take a biomechanical approach to orthodontic treatment, the first thing that you need to do is have a me method of measuring. So here at Invisalign, we have two methods for measuring. We have software, which was written by many of our engineers here. It is uh, excellent quality software that predicts force systems from the aligners themselves. The diagram on the top left that you see is the aligner itself. The red locations that are on there are, are an indication of the strain that's in it, the stretch that's in the aligner. And where the aligner is stretched is where it imparts forces to the teeth and accomplishes the orthodontic tooth movement. Once we actually model these in, in a virtual world, we can then proceed to test them on a bench. In other words, sensors. We build the, fabricate the aligners specifically and measure the force systems produced by them in the real world. This validates our software for us. The concept being that if you have software, there's many assumptions in it. And in those assumptions, you can learn many different things, but you must validate the fact that once you fabricate the aligners for movement, that they do produce the proper force systems. If you produce the proper force system for biomechanics, the concept is you will get better control of tooth movement. The other thing that this allows us to do is to expedite the development process itself because it took 100 years for orthodontics to get to where it is with brackets and wires testing in a clinical environment. This allows us to test in the virtual world, to make our mistakes as we do on, in, in the computer itself. And then once we have what we believe to be a proper solution, to go and validate that on the bench top. We can imagine that we could expedite this production process very quickly, maybe in a matter of four or five years, accomplish something it might have taken 20 to 25 years to do in the orthodontic clinics. So we're very excited about SmartForce, this process of SmartForce development, and the features themselves are called SmartForce features. That means that every time I refer to SmartForce features, think of this process, virtual design followed by benchtop validation. Once they're ben validated on the benchtop, we can then proceed to clinical trials if we wish. So the features that we're going to talk about today are the optimized root control attachments for the upper centrals and the canines. The field has recognized that movement of the roots of the teeth can be very difficult with clear aligners. It's a difficult movement to do with brackets and wires as well. Some of our solutions that we'll be introducing today actually have the fundamental basic biomechanics built into them so that they can control the root movement itself. We're also introducing the multiplane movement for the upper lateral incisors. 
And as we've traveled about listening to the doctors, what we recognize is that control of the lateral incisors, the upper lateral incisors, is very, very difficult to do. What they typically say is, whatever you ask them to do, they won't do. So what we did was we set the engineers on task to come up with a method of controlling those pesky laterals. We'll talk about that solution. The multi-tooth anterior extrusion for open bite uh, treatment is also being introduced. And what this is is rather than having a tooth-by-tooth -tooth solution, it treats a unit of teeth as one group and allows you to, to put the forces on those teeth as you wish and put the reaction forces elsewhere along the arch. Notice that this is an orthodontic way of thinking. Orthodontists don't move teeth tooth-by-tooth. They pit groups of teeth against other teeth and in that accomplish the treatment outcomes they're looking for. So we're incorporating all of this into our software so that we're thinking more like orthodontists and providing you with a product that you'll be happy with. So each of the products that, that we're going to be talking about as we go forward here is based on attachments. Okay? These attachments have one feature to them which I'd like to stress. It's called an active surface. Aligners impart forces to teeth on the surface of the teeth. If the, the uh, surface of the tooth is not oriented appropriately, we need to go build a surface that's oriented appropriately. That is an attachment. It's an artificial surface built onto the tooth. The active surface is the flat surface that you see in these diagrams, the flat surface on which the aligner engages and produces the force. The diagram on the left is, you recognize as an optimized rotation, uh, an optimized extrusion attachment from, uh, for the canine itself. That flat surface, you can see that it's flat and blends up into the tooth surface. And the green arrow represents a force imparted by the aligner on that active surface. The central one, you recognize an optimized rotation attachment. Once again, you can see the flat active surface. And you see the green force where the aligner imparts force to that attachment. The uh, diagram on the right represents something we'll be introducing today, which is the multiplane movement for the upper laterals. Once again, a flat surface that the green force vector is acting on. So let's look at some detail on the optimized root control attachments for the upper centrals. Control of the roots. Control of the roots, the solution of this is an angulation. It's considered a second order movement, which is the movement along the arch. So angulation is the angle with respect to the occlusal plane that the orientation of the teeth are at. So in the diagram you see the upper centrals, they did, they're not upright, they have a space between them. We need to move them along the arch. This is a movement known as angulation. That's what we'll be addressing with the root control attachments. So what, what are the biomechanics actually of root control? What happens is if you take an aligner and you program the movement of a central in a mesial direction, you will actually produce that force F1 that appears in the diagram and that solid tooth will tend to tip to where the dotted tooth is. What happens is that force produces a tendency to rotate around the root, the center of the root, the black dot. That tendency to rotate is, is termed a moment, M, the red arrow that's there, and the tooth will tend to tip that way. This is not what we wish to accomplish. It's not the proper tooth movement. So we need to go correct that force system. So what we do is we go place a second force on the tooth. The attachment that you see that's located down by the incisal edge has that force F2 on it. Force F2 produces a tendency to rotate in a clockwise direction, represented by the green arrow, the moment. The tendency to rotate is in the clockwise direction. The tooth is feeling the effects of both of these forces. The two of them sum together as one. Imagine two people pushing against one another. When they do, there's only one force that's left. One wins out. In this case, the green moment wins out. That's what we're looking to do. 
That's the four system that we need. Now, a wonderful thing about our software is that the position and orientation of these active surfaces on these attachments is determined by the software. Right? It's not something that you can see chairside. It's not something that you can determine what's the appropriate locations and angles for these. We can do that in the software very efficiently and effectively. It's a benefit of computer science in bringing orthodontics forward and understanding better how you control four systems from clear aligners and accomplish better treatment outcomes. Now, what type of movements can you actually do with this? We talk about angulation. So on a central incisor, what we're doing is tending to upright the incisors. This has the energy to move the root through the bone and can upright the incisors it themselves. Now, there's another type of a movement that you can get, which is known as translation. You can take that central incisor and move it along the arch in a bodily fashion. The way that's done is when that force that's on the crown, pushing the crown inward, is balanced with the tendency to rotate it, the tendency to, to cause it to twist, that moment, when they're proportioned appropriately, you'll find that that tooth moves right along the arch in an upright fashion. That's designated by the diagram you see here. The center of the root and the center of the crown move along the arch at the same amount. Therefore, the tooth stays upright and translates along. How do we know what those proportions are? I talk about the proportion of the twist on something and the proportion of the push, the force and the moment. Well, a publication back from 1984 from Dr. Smith and Burstone actually indicated for us what is that proportion. It's a number and it's measurable. And that's what we use to design our product, to design these improvements into the aligners. Notice on, this, on the diagram on the right, the red circle circles the number 10. That's a moment to force ratio known as a proportion. We can measure the moment, we can measure the force, and keep redesigning in our software, in our smart force process, redesigning until we get those figures that we're looking for that predict for better tooth movement. An application for this on the central incisors, but one might be diastema closure. If you're trying to upright the roots and close that space, the force system that appears in the diagram on the lower part is the correct force system that's desired. We've designed it such that we do get the proper force system, those blue vectors and the green vectors of force from the aligner itself. We anticipate that you'll be able to get the diastema closed and the roots, the root angulation, get the roots aligned as you would wish to do for treatment. Another movement's a midline shift. Now notice, this seems to be the same set of attachments. It's not. These are optimized root control attachments. Notice that the gingival attachments are both in the, putting forces on in the same direction, shifting the midline to the patient's left. We know that if we put those forces on, the crowns would tip in an in inappropriate manner, so we touch those teeth again with those second forces and correct the moments. These two teeth will move to the patient's left and shift the midline force. This is all done in the software position, orientation, and the activation of the, of the attachment itself. So we've actually designed into the software how hard does the aligner push on each of those attachments to accomplish the movement that we're looking for. Now, when you have two attachments on a tooth, you begin to wonder, is it aesthetic? And aesthetics is a very important part of Invisalign. And the answer is, we believe it's a much more aesthetic solution. In the photograph that we have here, on the number nine is the old solution that a lot of doctors use. It's a vertical rectangular attachment bonded to the typodont teeth. And on the number eight, you'll see the new solution. That actually has those two small attachments to it, the root control attachments, and they're barely noticeable. This is what they actually look like on the aligners. The diagram on the left shows the optimized root control attachments. Notice that there's two of them there. 
And in some situations, the lip itself can actually cover the gingivally placed attachment that's there. So you might only see the small one on the bottom at the incisal edge. The old, uh, the old solution that's on the right, the rectangular attachment, you can see how that looks in the aligner. And I think those on the left, uh, we can pretty much agree that they're less obvious. And if they're less obvious, it's a more aesthetic solution. So now let's talk about the optimized attachment for root control, this time on the canine. And I think the field recognizes that movement of canine roots is a very difficult movement. Very large roots requires a bit of energy to do that, a lot of force. So first question, can aligners actually generate the force required to move roots? And it has been a, an attitude in orthodontics over the past 10 years or so that aligners are not good at, at moving roots. They don't have the energy required. They do. We have the moment values that we can actually move the roots through, change the angulations of the canine roots, and translate those roots down the arch. The force system that you see here is the same, same sort of force system we just talked about on the centrals. Notice, first, we need to move this canine distally down the arch. So force F1 pushes that center of resistance, the center of the root, down the arch in a distal direction. Had we done that, the crown would tip distally. We don't want it to tip distally, so we touch it again with force F2, and F2 corrects the moment, the tendency to rotate, and the angulation changes. The solution for the central and the solution for the canine have the same biomechanical principles to them. It's just a di different clinical application of them. So here's a case where root alignment, we need to parallel the roots of the canine and the bicuspid, and in doing that, this, these new optimized attachments can actually do that for us. How do we know the proportions? How do we calibrate that moment and the force? And what we actually do with this is go back to the diagram and determine what are those proportions. In this case, the proportions are to the right side of that value 10. Anything that's over there, the root leads the crown. In other words, you're translating the tooth down the arch, or you're actually swinging the root through more than the crown. Possible movements for this are space closure. If you've got space that's around the canine in a mesial or distal direction, we can actually translate the tooth along or tip it to change the angulation to close those spaces. If we proportion the moment and the force correctly, once again, with the, with the canine, we can translate it down the arch as well. Here's a photograph of those attachments on the canine, and I think you, you can barely see them. They're almost not noticeable, which is much better than having a very large attachment on the canine in the curvature of the arch, where it's obvious when observing a patient from just about any angle at all. It is a very aesthetic solution. Here's what they look like on the, on the aligners themselves. Now we'll talk about the multiplane movement for the upper laterals. Now the upper laterals, doctors have said for years that they don't do anything we ask them to do. And one thing that we recognized was that we don't program things for individual movement. We don't program extrusion first and then rotation around the long axis of the tooth. We program all movements simultaneously in Invisalign. And in doing that, the engineers believed that it was time for us to move forward and to actually build mechanical solutions that address those multiplane movements, movements taking place in more than one plane of space, such as this solution, extrusion of the tooth of the upper laterals combined with rotation around the long axis, crown tip in a mesiodistal direction, or a buccal-lingual direction. So all of these movements are taking place simultaneously, and the tooth is sweeping through three space. And in doing that, we need to provide the proper force system. So. Here's an example of the movement. The tooth on the upper left, there's an extrusion 
and it requires a mesial out rotation and a crown tip lingual. And it'll come to its position in the final arch shown in the diagram on the right. So once again, simultaneous movement and extrusion combined with a mesial out rotation and a crown tip lingual. What's the proper force system required in order to accomplish this movement? We can determine that with our software and then we can go ahead and build a solution that provides that force system following the principles of biomechanics. So first, there's a force that's, uh, that's on the attachment itself provided by the aligner. There's a second force that's provided by a pressure point in the aligner. The two forces combined produce the force system required to move the tooth. So let me be clear. There are two forces required for the solution, one from the attachment and one from a pressure point on the lingual aspect of the aligner. So the software positions the attachment on the tooth, it orients the active surface, it activates the aligner by changing its shape slightly so it imparts the correct force to the attachment. You can see the attachment in the model itself and on the aligner. The second force is being imparted by the pressure point. The diagram on the left shows you the pressure point, the black arrow points out where it is. It's barely noticeable in the aligner itself. As we bring it in closer, you begin to see that it's there. And on the close-up on the right, it's quite obvious that there's an indentation in the aligner imparting pressure at that specific location. How much force is produced there and where that force is produced is determined by the software so that it produces a proper force system for orthodontic tooth movement. Together, the two forces produce the force system that's required. Right? There are situations and many of us are aware of them where you don't need the lingual aspect of the aligner to be activated with a pressure point. In those situations where that's not required, we don't position a pressure point. We leave it out. It's not required to produce the proper force system. Just the attachment will appear in, in the solution. Now we'll talk about the multi-tooth extrusion for open bite treatment. Now it's a very exciting part for, uh, for engineers here at Invisalign. We, uh, we have built equipment that actually measures force systems on more than one tooth. Everything we spoke about prior to this and in G3 that Dr. Sterenthal has spoken about, they are single force solutions, measurements on one tooth. What we're now doing is addressing the question of what happens on the adjacent teeth. If I put forces on one tooth, there are reactions on the neighboring teeth. What are they? How do I control them? So that's what this equipment allows us to do. This is very exciting because it allows us to begin to practice like orthodontists. What do we do if we move the anteriors as a group? What happens to the posterior teeth if the anteriors have a certain force system on them? These are big questions, questions that haven't been addressed in clear aligner treatment before. So first application for this is for multiple tooth anterior extrusion. One of the goals is in order to get all four anterior teeth to extrude at the same time. Yet doctors have reported that they can get one tooth to extrude, two, three, Hardly ever do all four start to extrude on stage one of the treatment. So the goal is to get those extrusive forces on the anterior group all at one time and all at the beginning of treatment. If we do that, we should have more predictable treatment outcomes in treating open bite cases. What, I, what actually occurs here is that when you extrude the anteriors as a unit, providing the proper forces for extrusion, intrusive forces and reaction all go to the posterior group which is what we're looking to do as well. This is common in terms of open bite treatment. So what we recognize from our multiple tooth measurement system, our force measurement apparatus with four transducers in it, one on each of the anterior teeth, we recognize that, each, that the aligner needs to be activated differently on each of those teeth in order to be able to get them to act as a unit and extrude together. 
from the beginning of treatment. So the activations are different. The activations on the two centrals are the same. The activations on the two laterals are the same. They're not equivalent to one another. And I think we recognize this from bracket and wire research that was done. People recognize that the activation for the centrals for extrusion is different than that for the laterals. If you put a gable bend in the posterior, most of it's delivered to the laterals. Very little is left to be delivered to the centrals. So we've incorporated that into clear aligner design here. And here's the evidence from our, our virtual Invisalign laboratory, which represents the fact that the forces on the four anterior teeth are equivalent. The red areas that are on those active surfaces of the attachments represent force magnitudes. Notice that the circular red areas on the attachment surfaces are all about the same size. This indicated to us that we had a proper solution to put equivalent forces on the four anterior teeth and that they will respond as a unit and extrude appropriately. We're anticipating much better treatment outcomes, quicker treatment in terms of closing open bite cases with this technology. Now there's a benefit that comes along with this activation of the aligner itself. The activation, uh, it, like any other appliance, as the tooth is coming to its final position, there's no force left. The appliance is deactivated. So what we've done, we've activated it a little bit more. And in terms of changing the shape on the active surface, we can actually get the aligner to be pushing. Even when the tooth comes down to the incisal edge and is locked at the incisal edge of the aligner, it is still pushing, holding it there. And that's very important in obtaining uh, precise finishes. One of our goals is to make sure that the out treatment outcome that you're anticipating is exactly where the teeth track to. And we recognize this shortcoming in the, in the extrusion attachments and have made this even better now so that you will get higher precision finishes in this. So what we just presented was the information about the optimized root control attachments for the canines and the centrals. Root control, a very difficult movement to make. Now we believe we can accomplish it with clear aligners. Uh, Multiplane movement of the upper laterals. Recognize once again that this is a movement into the field, the first time ever of programming for this multiple compound movement that there is. Multi-tooth anterior extrusion for the open bite treatment in terms of uh, extruding the anteriors as a unit and passing the reaction forces to the posterior. Okay, in summary, the uh, smart force feature, the, pro the process itself is in, it's working. It has been developed over the years here, here at Invisalign and the design methodology has been accepted throughout the community. We're recognizing better treatment outcomes from it. Doctors are reporting better treatment outcomes and what's most important is all of these improvements in Invisalign are coming from listening to you and your advice as to what you need to accomplish better treatment outcomes. Thank you. Now I'd like to pass this off to Dr. Starentall. Thank you, John. Let's now talk about the clinical protocols for the Invisalign G4 features. The multi-tooth anterior extrusion attachments for open bites are placed when all four incisors have at least 0.5 millimeters of extrusion programmed on each tooth. Simultaneous staging is always applied. If three or fewer incisors have extrusion programmed of at least 0.5 millimeters, then the individual extrusion attachments will be placed. They are going now to be activated and they're applicable again for all upper and lower incisors and upper and lower canines. If lingual root torque and extrusion is programmed on any incisor, then 
We are going to separate the movements and have lingual root torque staged first at one degree per stage and power ridges will be placed on the aligners. And then at the end, extrusion will be staged and the individual optimized extrusion attachments will be placed. The multiplane movement attachment for the upper laterals is placed when there is absolute extrusion of at least 0.1 millimeters programmed and the center of the root has minimal movement. Crown tipping in any direction is programmed and or rotation is also programmed. As we can see, this attachment will only appear for crown movements and rotation of the upper laterals, but it will not be applicable or placed when root movements or intrusion are programmed. Again, simultaneous staging will be used. On the upper and lower cuspids, the optimized root control attachments will be placed when the root center is moving 0.5 millimeters at least. They're applicable for mesiodistal root upriding. They're also applicable for mesiodistal root, uh, sorry, for mesiodistal space closure. Again, the root center has to move at least 0.5 millimeters for this feature to be triggered. You can use this feature to upright roots, to close spaces, mesiodistal to the cuspid with bodily movement, and to separate the roots to make room for the placement of an implant for missing laterals, for example. On our bicuspid extraction cases protocol, this feature will be applied only if the cuspid is closing the space with distal bodily move, root movement or if the root is leading the crown. They will not be placed if the space closure happens because the crown is tipping to close the extraction space. Simultaneous staging will always be applied. On the upper central incisors, the optimized root control attachments will be placed, again, for mesiodistal root upriding. However, for the central features to be placed, the root center has to move at least 0.75 millimeters. So they're applicable for mesiodistal space closure as well as this mesiodistal root upriding. And in the, in the particular situation of diastemas, they will be placed on the tooth where the root center is moving at least 0.75 millimeters. So depending on your clinical situation, they may appear on one or both upper central incisors. Again, you can also use them to separate the roots to make room for the placement of an implant for a missing lateral. And simultaneous staging is always applied. A piece of more good news, precision cuts and cuspid optimized attachments are now compatible. This refers to the Invisalign G3 optimized extrusion and rotation attachments. There must be enough room on the clinical crown for both features to be placed without overlapping. So we need at least one and a half millimeters of separation so that the precision cut doesn't cut into the optimized attachment on the aligner. If both features don't fit, the default action will be to keep the optimized attachment. However, if you have a different preference, make sure you enter it enter it into the special instructions on the prescription form to let the technician know how you want to handle the potential conflict. This is, has not yet been tested with the new Invisalign G4 SmartForce features, so if you have the mesiodistal root upriding or root control feature on the upper canine, precision cuts will not be placed. The proper procedure to place elastics 
with when precision cuts and optimized attachments coexist is the following. You have to first have the patient insert both aligners, ensure correct seating by biting on chewies, and then engage the elastic from the posterior hooks or buttons to the anterior hooks. The reason for this detailed uh, setup instruction is if the patient first engages the, el the elastics on the aligners and then places the whole thing in the mouth, the elastic will roll under the, the aligner over the attachment well and will prevent the aligner from fitting properly, as you can see on this photograph. So make sure you instruct your patients to follow the proper procedure. And to make that easier, when we design the, pre uh, the precision cuts, the precision hooks, we make sure that there's a little space between the hook and the, and the tooth to make room for the elastic. Let's see how now all these features get applied. The principles of application for these features follow uh, two rules. First one is that features are determined place, uh, based on movements required to address the primary treatment goal. And that movements with the largest magnitude are given the higher priority for feature placement. Using these two principles, let's see what the process is for the upper central incisor. The software will first check to see if, if all four incisors are extruding in order to place the open bite optimized extrusion attachment. If that's not taking place, the software will check to see if the distal root control attachment is needed if the root is moving distally more than uh, 0.75 millimeters. If that's not the case, then the software will check for the presence of lingual root torque and or extrusion and will place either the power ridges or the optimized extrusion attachments uh, on the teeth. If both are present, they'll be placed sequentially. On the upper lateral incisor, again, the software checks to see if all four incisors are extruding to place the, uh, the, uh, the open bite optimized extrusion attachments. If not, it'll check to see if there's crown tipping or rotation with extrusion programmed to place the multiplane crown movement uh, feature. Otherwise, it'll check for lingual root displacement for power ridges and or extrusion for the uh, optimized extrusion attachments. On the canines, it'll first check to see if the root is moving 0.5 millimeters initially or distally at the root center to place the distal root control feature. And remember, no precision cuts are allowed to coexist at this time. If they are not present or not required, then it'll check to see if the canine is rotating or extruding to place the appropriate feature. And we now allow the coexistence of precision cuts with these two features. Which feature is placed based, is based on movement prevalence. The exception is that even if there's distal root displacement, but the canine is rotating more than 15 degrees, the optimized rotation attachment will be placed instead because the distal root feature is not so efficient when large rotations are programmed. Let's now switch gears and talk about the new class two division two staging protocol that we introduced with Invisalign G4. This is really applicable for all cases where the upper incisors are retroclined but it's very commonly found on class two division two cases. What we've done is we've programmed sequential staging to improve the predictability of the outcome on the upper incisors and added power ridges to ensure root control, meaning to prevent the root center from moving forward or buckly. As you can see from these images, we start with a class two division two classic case 
And in the first phase, proclination and lingual root torque will be programmed. Power ridges will be placed on the buckle. Then in the second phase, sequentially staged after the first one, we'll program any intrusion needed to properly level the arch. Buckle power ridges will still be placed to maintain the root control. And on the last sequential phase, the third phase, retraction will take place to close any spaces that have not yet been closed. Bodily retraction with buckle and lingual power ridges is how we're going to accomplish this to preserve the tooth inclination. This will happen automatically. There's nothing you have to do to request it, but every time the software detects that the upper incisors are retroclined, this will be done automatically. Our next topic is an update on the use of IOC or ITERO scans with Invisalign. From a clinical perspective, we've established that if you scan the teeth instead of taking a PVS impression, the aligners will fit much better. We have conducted a study that is illustrated on the graph of the right, where we've measured the amount of problems we've had between aligners made from PVS impressions on the same patient versus aligners made from scans. So the doctors were given the aligners without knowing which one was which, meaning if they were made from the PVS impressions or from the scans, and they were asked to check for seating, how well they sat, for spring, for retention, and for length, meaning how accurate were they to the uh, gingival margins. And as you can see on the graph, where blue is at, uh, aligners made from PVS impressions and light blue are aligners made from scans, we have many more problems with, attach with aligners made from PVS, and the fit of the aligners made, made from scans was clearly superior. Doctors are also reporting this on their own cases. And as you can see on this statement from Dr. Perry Jones in Virginia, patients report a noticeable difference between aligners originating from scanning versus PVS impressions. They fit so tight and are more comfortable and less saliva is trapped under the plastic. So if you have the chance, make sure you submit Invisalign scans instead of Invisalign PVS uh, records. Another advantage for your practice is that with scans, we're able to have the initial clincheck treatment plan placed for your review in two days or less. These are average, average times. Sometimes it can even take place on the same day, where if you submit PVS impressions, you have to wait around 10 business days for the initial clincheck plan to be posted on your doctor's site. With a scan, we can post it on average in two days or less. Also, scans virtually eliminate rejections. Of, of, of impressions. Since you're able to view which areas of the scan have to be improved or have any problems and fix them on the spot, rejections are now virtually eliminated. Thank you very much.